0: Hey listeners, what's up? It's Greg. Just gonna drop some quick news on you before we get into the episode proper because, yeah, it was E3 and all the other game events, so we're mostly gonna talk about that. But we still had some reviews and such that came out since last episode, so, uh, go check those out. Kicking it off in the features department, Tina Ola's crowdfunding Chronicles continues with Wander Lost, which looks beautiful. Lovely looking pixel art game. Uh, just, I am excited for this one. It looks delightful, and you'd definitely go check it out if, uh you haven't funded it go fund it chris tales has been one i personally have been waiting for for a while because it looks rad and it is so close to coming out uh it's one of our most anticipated games from the past couple years and we got to do an interview with derek Neal, the lead producer of the game so if you want to see how things are shaping up with chris tales as we get closer and closer to an eventual release date check out this feature interview uh written by zach wilkerson Remember last time when I talked about RPG Fan Chapters, a review of A Guide to Japanese Role Playing Games? We've gone even deeper with uh, Hillary's look at the book, so if you want to get a more in-depth look at what to expect from this when it releases, go check out the feature review that she did. Uh, it is thorough, this book looks beautiful, uh, I am excited to drop my money on it. <laughs> we also have another entry in the RPG Fan Chapters, a review of Boss Fight Books Final Fantasy VI by Alana Haggs. And, uh, yeah, it's so neat seeing these translated into book form. So uh, go check this one and see if it's worth picking up the paperback version or the digital. Outside of our fantastic features, we had a whole bunch of reviews drop, which I'm not going to go into because I just want to get to the episode. It's a long one as it is. But uh, we had The Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel 4, for example. There was, of course, the review of the new Final Fantasy VII Remake episode Intermission DLC by Alana Hags. We got to preview Neo, The World Ends With You. Final Fantasy VII The First Soldier, and Dreamscaper from E3, which Jono talks about a bit on the episode. So yeah, go get caught up on everything that you may have missed, and enjoy this episode of Random Encounter. Hey everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Random Encounter. I am uh, one part host, Greg Delmage, joined by my other part host, John O'Logan.
1: Oh, I'm a piece.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Two of us make a hole these days.
2: The two halves of Canada united.
0: (laughs) Of Canada united. Exactly. Coast to coast.
2: The cooler parts, not the middle parts. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Sorry, Manitoba.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They know the score.
0: And that flat place that nobody cares about kidding love you sketch uh any rate that was uh steph Sibidlow on the mic
2: leaky steph as they call me
0: <laughs> <laughs> leaky steph as they call her out east uh so terrible um but thanks for coming back on the podcast after uh <laughs> the last time because uh, how can you come back from a moniker like that
2: i was livid <laughs> But I got over it, all right, I guess. At least I'm known for something, so...
0: Quentin O'Connor, you're back on after, uh, you know, seeing a whole bunch of games, playing a whole bunch of games, and having a whole lot of opinions. Yeah, yeah, I figured you got join in,
3: talk about games, games I've seen, games I've played, opinions.
0: That's what we do, we do sometimes. Uh, and to make sure the podcast is truly official and on track, um, this is, I guess, our our annual, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inspection. Inspection, not quite, assessment, Either way, big boss Mike Salbato is on the mic with us.
2: We are humbled and privileged to have you here, my lord. We shall podcast well for you.
0: Wow.
4: You make me feel so special, and really, I'm only here to kill chaos.
2: Ooh.
0: Are you here to kill chaos?
4: (laughs) Um, We'll see. We'll see.
0: When chaos needs to be killed, Mike shows up. Yes. So as you may have guessed, we're here to talk about E3-related things and all the many game shows that happened over the stretch of what was considered E3. You know, we had Summer Game Fest, uh, the Cozy Games thing my blah we became a cozy direct wholesome, wholesome direct, direct yeah. there we go we had a nintendo direct which is generally tied to e3 but technically they're doing their own thing a lot of
2: things kind of shoved their like festival times in this kind of same pocket right now didn't they
0: yeah there was jeff keely's thing well i guess that's summer games fest um and then there's uh the gorilla collective uh is there anything else i'm missing i think that's it
4: that, that's all the big ones
0: yeah there's a bunch of stuff that's kind of all trying to jump on the e3 bandwagon
4: there was the indie expo, oh, yes. like the same day as one of the gorilla ones. So I think some of us missed that one. But it was it was there. It happened.
2: Do you think a lot of it competed like in bad ways? <laughs> like maybe it just occupied too much of digital space?
1: I think that a lot of the groups that got some traction last year in the absence of E3 were loath to give it up. So they wanted to enjoy the the focus that everyone has during E3 week. Mm. I mean, it worked to an extent, although I got to be honest, I am real tired. Yeah, it's it's a lot to jump around on. Oh,
0: yeah, there was also PC Gaming Show because that was separate as well, right?
1: Or was that technically
0: part of E3? I mean, a lot of
1: things were technically E3. Like it, the IGN Expo. E3 sort of became a much more, even more of like an umbrella that everyone was under than usual this year. But realistically speaking, I feel like all of the companies were doing their own thing. They were just sort of using E3 as an excuse Because they knew the press would be on their focus. Yeah. Like, it still
0: feels like it's, they're still operating, like, the expo, and then everybody's just kind of gathering around their banner, so to speak, right?
4: I think E3 this year turned from a show to just a season. It's just a season now.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. That picture you sent of the three happy faces.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um I assume anyone who was who did register cuz it was open to the public but t- towards the end of the show if you would log on to the E3 portal they wanted there's a survey which I still need to go fit really do and when you log off it says hey how was your experience and if you've ever seen those little signs in like you know you'll see it in restaurants or you know airport bathrooms or whatever right. there's like little faces there's like a red sad face a yellow neutral face and a green smiley face this one was red yellow and green except they were all smiling <laughs>
2: so dystopian <laughs>
4: so like you're like i i kind of want to i kind of want to click the red smiling face that says bad just because it confuses me
2: it's like you're holding your rage on the inside and you're still smiling on the outside <laughs> <laughs> i got some new emotes to make
4: <laughs> I, I think clicking the red one is basically the herald at the computer meme uh, reaction to e3 <laughs> so That's you know.
0: but uh yeah however you experienced it it's There's lots of games. So many uh, games. (laughs) I like that. It's basically a new season. You've got summer, or I guess throughout the year, you've got uh, spring, video games, construction, and then winter. Um, We had lots of games revealed, both RPGs and non, and we'll probably talk about our favorite non-RPG hits because, you know, that's not all we do. It's all I usually really have time for, but still it's not all we do. And yeah, let's go go down and talk about some of the the big hits. I mean, um, Jeff Keighley... Kind of stole the the limelight, I guess, by jumping with the Summer Game Fest to kick things off.
1: His vision. And uh yes,
0: his vision. Uh yeah, there's lots of cool shows that are adjacent to RPGs uh that will be covered by, as I no doubt.
1: I mean, despite my my ribbing of his vision, I think I'm a fan of his. I think I I think what he does is great. He's certainly better than some hosts for the week, mentioning no names, but there was there were some hosts that literally threatened me repeatedly with scissors. Um, that's just awkward. Yeah, it was a little awkward. But the the two big announcements, there were a few of them, but the two big announcements in the uh, in the Summer Game Fest kickoff w- for us anyway would have been Elden Ring. Yeah, yeah,
0: Elden Ring has been. When was that first announced? Was that twenty 19? nineteen or twenty eighteen?
2: I was in the airport when it was announced, and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> JRR, that's awesome.
0: Shouldn't he be finishing his
1: books?
2: No, a... he's okay.
1: <laughs> he doesn't need to finish his books. the, the, the series is over. <laughs> the series is over, right?
2: That's it. Yeah,
1: they did it for him. That's
2: it. He can just publish uh, the
1: scripts, right? Everyone will be happy with that.
2: Honestly, I would not even hold that against him. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Well, yeah, at this point, like he may as well just throw his hands up and be like, Egh. but at the same time, you could also be like, well, that was their idea. Now here's mine and then fix it.
1: If HBO was smart about it, they would let him write the final book and they would announce like take two of the last season and just rehire all of the actors and then just do another season of I it.
2: thought of that too.
1: Like a director's cut
2: yeah
0: author's cut but like yeah like he could just use the entire series or final seasons or just like you know we were just a test audience right so he could actually decide how he did actually want to finish the book <laughs> he's just like well that didn't work scratching things out rapidly so people don't like Daenerys going crazy for inexplicable reasons okay back to the drawing board um but yeah Elden Ring we've been sitting on for a while Jeff clearly was excited to have the ability to announce that to the world
1: yeah, that was quite a coup and with that announcement, especially given that E3 was there, it could have been easily done by any of the other shows, but uh he nailed it. But yeah, it's it looks I mean, we didn't get too much of it, but it's nice to know that it still exists.
2: It looked good. I like that it was all gameplay basically. Yeah. Like it yeah. showed in-game finally it wasn't just a CG trailer and it looks so good.
1: And we got a release date for it. Well, sort of 2022. We have a release window for it. Yeah, but I
4: mean, for a game that we hadn't literally hadn't seen at all outside of some like renders and stuff like that was quite a surprise i wasn't expecting to see that much of it and then you know there's been interviews and some other stuff around too that like shed more light on like the lore of the world like martin's involvement some other stuff it's it's really interesting it
2: usually takes about two years for these things to take off though yeah like if you get a big big reveal at e3 it's usually about two years off maybe next year they'll have a playable demo and then you know a year Mm -hmm. six months from that it's out so Yeah. yeah it's on time we just wanted it really badly.
1: Yeah,
0: because we're all due for that. Yeah, that next big, deep dark yeah. souls yeah. kind of experience.
1: It's exciting. It looks really, really good. I like the many armed enemy. The yeah. thing's freaky
0: as f and looks super cool.
2: Their monster designer is on, is in like top form.
0: The on point. It is just that right level of like surreal fantasy mixed with a bit of horror, but not quite. Which again, that's kind of what a lot of people went to the Dark Souls series for too. Is this big giant bizarre monsters but this seems to take it even further into a weird place
2: uh this is like a whole unique fantasy world like it's like ground up right
0: yeah it's totally i mean not obviously i don't think it's entirely martin's vision but like i'm sure he is definitely leading the charge on a lot of it
2: well it's not like a spin-off of like dark souls some (laughs) faction of that okay i mean
0: it's from from what I was reading,
4: like, it is largely his. Like, there was a lot of talk about, like, you know, he's going to, like, work on the lore and the backstory of the world. And then I guess the agreement – I'm I'm paraphrasing some stuff I read. But yeah. it was supposed to be, like, you know, he's going to set this up. And then From would, like, do what they wanted to from there. But it sounds like they tried to, like, stick with it. They're like, this is great.
2: They kind of video-gamed it up, I guess.
4: <sighs> yeah. Like, they liked the story he had for all the – I forget the name of the um, – like what you're fighting, but I guess all the different, you know, major antagonists all have like a different reason. They ended up where they were. Like they actually, each each one has a story and like, I like that.
0: And I'm sure there'll be spin off books.
3: From what I've gathered, they, they kept so much intact. It seems, if not everything from what Martin's like direction is, like I, I reckon they could probably just kind of look at all his writing on it and be like, Oh wow, that is such a cool idea. Babe. The only thing he didn't include is how players will like strategize to survive it. Hey, that's where we come in and then it just kind of went from there. I am really excited. I'm I'm one of those people who's been reading Martin stuff that isn't like a Song of Ice and Fire recently.
2: Yeah, I was going to say how's his other stuff? It's good.
3: It's really good. It's, it's never caught on, like, wildfire, obviously, but um, for the most part, it's good.
2: With Game of Thrones popularity, they might kind of look into adapting it then.
0: I could see that working.
2: Uh, but no, so yeah, you say it's good, though, eh? I'll have to look into that. I'm very curious. Because, like, I feel like, you know, Game of Thrones is a little bit played out. I was thinking whether to get the books or not, but it might be interesting to actually go, you know, a different direction instead. And I'm actually really excited for Elden Ring. Like, I hope he enjoyed flexing a new muscle for video games or something. I don't know.
0: Uh, what was the other big hit, do you think, that in your mind, Jono, for us?
1: For us? Well, it wasn't for us. It or it might be. Here's the question. I don't know whether or not Tiny Tina's Wonderlands fits in our coverage. Borderlands sort of fits in our coverage, but arguably not. And this is apparently a fantasy-based spinoff of Borderlands. So it will all depend on how what information comes down the pipe, but it does look kind of cool. This moment, it looks like it's in our wheelhouse. If you do, if you like D&D, if you like tabletop, it's sort of an homage to that. It was based on Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it based on a DLC from Borderlands 3? Yes. Yeah. It has a, a good foundation there and people very much enjoyed it. So yeah, that, they were they were the two big announcements in there. But there were a few other announcements, a few surprises uh, in there that do fit in our coverage very nicely. One of the biggest, which has a little asterisk beside it, is uh, Metal Slug Tactics.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's
0: one of my wow. games on the show. Uh, despite whatever the rumblings are about its company. So we'll see how that shakes out in the future. But it looks so
2: cool. It's a great fusion. It's so perfect. Really
3: unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of those big, like, jaw drop moments for me.
2: Because the series was kind of quiet right now. I think it was just mobile.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like, with Starfield, like, let me compare here. Like, personally, that was something where, like, seconds in i realized what it was and i was happy and i was hyped <laughs> but with metal slug tactics it was just like my brain is slowly going wait a minute wait a minute this is a wait thing a minute. it would start feeling it's obvious right out the bat. you know like i know what this is i'm happy with metal slug tactics i'm just like holy heck yes
1: those are the best kind of announcements in my opinion are the ones where you're like brows frilled you're like what is this and mm-hmm. then it, it reveals itself and you're just your mind explodes and there were a few of those for this uh, E3 season. Oh,
2: it's it's Christmas in June, right? Like, it's just that, like, oh my gosh.
1: Video game Christmas. <laughs>
2: yep. yep. yep.
0: Uh, speaking of which, Tales of Arise, anyone, you know, being a JRPG, very centric site? Absolutely. It looks beautiful.
2: It really does. They found a really gorgeous style.
0: Some great designs. Yeah. I like uh, that person. What's your name's armor? So good.
3: The Paladin person. Tales is one of, those, one of those series, I think, where, like, generally speaking for me, I think everyone's going to be approaching this differently for me it it fundamentally relies on the strength of like its battle system uh the music like you know that sort of thing it's it's been a long time since i've looked at an upcoming tales game and said holy heck the world looks really cool to run around in like i love berseria and i think it took some steps in the right direction in that regard but like for a while now i kind of feel like when the series went like full 3d
2: oh the world map suffered so bad yeah A rise looks like it's it's fixing it, like really
3: fixing it, and in this cool watercolor world too. I'm here for
2: it. The filters they have on it are gorgeous.
1: Well, there's a reason. Apparently, it is the first game in the series to be built on uh, Unreal Four, so they are using a much better, uh, more advanced engine for the game. So, yeah, the game does it. It looks fantastic. I have to admit, the Tales series is a series that I've never actually been uh, able to get into. Not because they're bad or anything like that. It just it never really clicked with me. That said, this one looks like a real new start for the series. So if somebody has been thinking, I might want to give Tails a try, this might be a real good jumping on point. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. I, I think there's a few of those that we're gonna be talking about today that I, I feel I feel the same way. And like I I have not finished a Tails game since um Destiny.
0: So I've I've
4: missed a few. <laughs> wow. Before we move on, I do want to quickly mention that we did get a chance to do like a hands-on preview with Tales of Arise, which is up on the site.
2: I read it immediately. I was so excited about it. I'm trying to go in the dark about it, um, but like I did read that because it was, it was quite exciting.
3: Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, you did read it, so never mind, but I was about to say, if you decide to come out into the light a little bit, Izzy did a great, great write-up on that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Izzy's been killing the uh, previews of late. Of some fairly big games.
2: We, we put out a lot of content in the last few days. It was pretty crazy. There was a lot of stuff coming out of the C3. And like, because like you said, it was digital in a bunch of spots. It was kind of hard to keep track of it all. So like news kind of came in like different wave blanks.
0: I'm not going to lie. Like my brain shut down with the amount of news yeah. there was. Like I kept on like day one and a little bit on day two. And I was just like, no, I can't do it.
1: My partners wanted to watch the next episode of Mythic Quest for the last few days, and I was just like, I can't. I can't take any more of the video
2: games.
1: (laughs) But yeah, there's a good point there, actually. There's been a lot of news the last few days. There's been a lot of reviews and previews and some pretty interesting articles. So if you... Want, take a scroll down rpgfan.com and there are going to be a ton of interesting stories there. I heard that's a good website. (laughs) I've heard it's a good website too. Yeah,
0: usually people hear about it at the top of the episode.
1: Yeah. And, um...
2: Advertisement over.
1: But that was June 10th. That was before E3. And then on June 11th, we actually moved on. We're still not at E3 yet, but we have what I would argue is the scariest experience of the entire E3 season. And that was... Doki Doki Literature Club Plus was announced, which is awesome. Has anyone played Doki Doki Literature Club?
2: I know a lot of people who are in the fan base, and they are thrilled.
1: (laughs) I just want to know how it relates at all to Doki Doki Panic. It's the sequel. Haven't you heard?
0: It's a little different.
1: (laughs) Do they wake up at the end and it was all a dream? It was all a dream. Incidentally, if... uh, (laughs) Don't let Gwen play. So not like Super Mario 2 at all?
4: (laughs) No, not exactly.
1: Just, Just less turnips, or...? Well, I don't want to... This is the kind of game that you do not want to spoil for anyone. Um, If anyone out there has played Doki Doki Literature Club, then you know what to expect. If you have not played it, I highly recommend it. Uh, I also highly recommend that you are prepared for something you don't expect.
2: Then how the heck do they prepare for that? (laughs) If you like your games with juicy spoilers, (laughs) it is a juicy spoiler game.
0: I just picture someone playing the game. They've got like water wings, goggles, a snow suit suit. 10 days worth of rations, flashlight, a generator. Look, Greg, I wish that I had all of those things the first time I played this game, okay? (laughs) So yeah, I know nothing about Doki Doki Literature Club Plus or non-Plus. Minus for that matter, I guess.
1: If you ever want to play it, it's free on Steam, actually. The Plus version is not. The Plus version is going to cost money, and I think there's a good reason for that. I think it's one of the most original, jaw-droppingly original games in a jaw-droppingly unoriginal package uh, <laughs> that has been made in the last decade if anyone likes visual novels i i recommend it it's the game scarred me heavily but i am very excited to play the plus version i'm
4: glad that they're releasing this one and charging for it because they got so much like positive feedback for that and they really did I'm, yeah it's cool that they were putting that out for free but i think that'll be good I think there's going to be a lot of people that are like, well, yeah, like, I'll, I'll give you money for this, even if they're just replaying it.
2: I don't think they expected the fame either, did they?
4: No, probably not. No. But, like, the extra content, the high-res art, the new music, yeah. I think, is not like, double the amount of music in the game now because of the new scenes and stuff
1: it's going to be pretty expanded it's i mean it's going to be the same game apparently but there is going to be a lot more of it and that's only a good thing yeah well maybe we hope it's going to be a good thing almost like
0: there's a plus on it
4: so yeah i think that's pretty exciting i think i'll probably actually have to play it this time even though i'm sure i'm not ready for it but uh i'll i'm interested
2: yeah i am too i've actually avoided it too so i like like deliberately just because i've heard so much about the spoiler i never wanted to cheat myself out of it so i think this will be a perfect chance yeah
1: yeah it's it's quite a game but it's not the only game that was announced at the IGN Expo. There are some other ones.
0: No, there's a lot of, like, story, yeah, a lot of, like, adventure kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: There's Forgotten City, which is a remake of Sky, uh, Skyrim mod that has been built into a full game. Wow. And I've heard about, the, I heard about this a few years ago. I heard about the mod. First, that's
0: two games like that over the course of this reveal, right? No? It's interesting.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting how, uh, how pre-existing game engines nowadays have started becoming, like, kind of a, a a training field for developers yeah. and i mean i it, it's not like skyrim it's using similar it's it's using you know skyrim as a base but it's a very different like murder mystery time travel-esque kind of game looks really really cool sherlock holmes chapter one looks to be a real good jumping on point for the extremely long-running adventure game series
2: are they made by the same studio
1: yeah they've been made by the same studio since 2008 i think it's uh, Frogwares? Adorable. They've been making Sherlock Holmes. The creator of the Sherlock Holmes games is th- is right there. Is that
2: just like a bunch of like big Sherlock nerds who just get together and like seem to be good at developing games as well? I like that. And just this perfect intersection of hobbies.
1: Must be. Yeah, no, sorry. 2002, their first game was wow. Sherlock Holmes, The Mystery of the Mummy in 2002. Wow.
2: Yeah, I thought I'd been seeing these for a long time. That's crazy.
1: Wow, that looks a lot like Resident Evil 1.
2: How cool, like tank controls?
1: Uh, no, I mean, uh, there's a screenshot here from the first uh, just on the wiki page and it looks exactly like the foyer of Resident Evil 1
3: you are almost oh, a Sherlock Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> oh
4: I was I was trying to I was trying to do a, a master of something a master of investigating but no nope, <laughs> this is better yep
2: I was trying to think of something too but to you both beat me to the punch and it was great <laughs> I like how we all had that twinkle in our eye to think of the perfect like joke on that
1: I'm pretty sure that many fans have a twinkle in their eye when they think of a Sherlock <laughs> sandwich <laughs> Depends on the Sherlock.
2: There's always like one secret ingredient that you'll never know what it is.
1: It's usually Watson. Um,
2: (laughs) It's a finger today.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
2: (laughs) Moving
0: right along.
1: Moving right along.
0: Lots of other fun stuff in there.
1: I gotta be honest, I'm still not entirely certain how to pronounce the name of this.
0: Chernobylite? Yeah, Yeah. that sounds
1: right. Chernobylite? Yeah, that sounds right. It's only a little radioactive, not fully.
2: It's not a monster game, is it? I did like that. Apparently they took like footage, drone footage to capture like the actual area realistically.
4: They 3D scanned the environment.
2: That's crazy. It's nuts. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I just hope it's not about like, like, like de- uh, you know, deformed things. Yeah. <laughs> like monsters or anything like that
0: it's gonna be all of the influencers who got allowed <laughs> in there and then since mutated oh, no
2: <laughs> okay that one i like
4: <laughs> but there's there's like a sci-fi twist to it so it's okay. not just That could yeah. be fun. it looks really neat i just i'm impressed but what they did to create those environments i
2: know? like that yeah that's pretty cool to go through the measures
1: actually it'd be kind of cool if they had an exploring with josh feature in there he's one of the he's one of the uh, urban explorers who has visited the place repeatedly it's a pretty. I don't know if you guys have ever watched people exploring that area, but it's it's amazing.
2: It's interesting, yeah.
1: I'm a big fan of explore of like urban exploration uh, YouTube. Um, I just find it fascinating. Abandoned places are just interesting to look oh, at, yeah. and this place is obviously the greatest abandoned place in the entire world because it is an entire town that has been abandoned and taken over by nature again.
2: A lot of uh, post-apocalyptic like games and movies will like look to these places, you know, as inspiration for what that overgrowth will look like after so many years, and it's crazy. And like
0: the day that place becomes somehow livable in or survivable in like the amount of money they will charge to charge people to film there will be a bananas
1: yeah i remember every time i look at chernobyl i just think wow fallout is bullshit." because if this is how bad it looks after like 30 40 years there's no way that anything's going to be left standing after 300 oh yeah
2: people are like casually walking around a village, like hey how's it going
1: abraham did a preview of it a few months ago uh that's on the site that'll be in the show notes probably um, and uh, if I if I recall, Abraham actually uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. It is a bit of a horror game. <laughs> Did I mention the horror? The Farm 51 is seriously trying to square the bejesus out of players. So yeah, another scary game that is a very different kind of creepy than uh, Doki Doki Literature Club. But if you like scary, sounds like a good one to play. But it looks real good. Yeah. So we are now actually in the first day of E3. So the first thing up was uh, the Guerrilla Collective, uh, day two. There was a day one the week before, but that's just outside of our uh, week of E3. So we will uh, not talk about that. Those games are dead to us. But there were a ton of really cool games announced. Yeah. Um, were they Were they all indies or? Yeah, they were all indies. <laughs> I'm excited for Arietta
0: of the Spirits. I played the demo of that a bit ago and it is a real, sl- it plays real
1: slick. It uh, looks pretty. Zelda-like.
0: It's real good. It's got a water, otter spirit thing. I don't know, but it's pretty adorable. Even just like in the, the demo, which again, I recommend people try it out if you're at all curious about the game or about as a good Zelda-like. This is a great way to go. It already had like fairly good writing and uh, good heart and emotion that like it even it hit me almost right in the core of my feels just in that initial setup of the game.
1: So I'm excited to see this one happen. Wonderful. Yeah, it looks pretty darn gorgeous. Especially if you like pixel art.
0: Yeah, the pixel art's great. Although they're very casual about fighting giant wasps. I find, I'm like, is it just an in-world thing? Or?
2: We have such beautiful 2D games now, like as a norm almost.
4: Actually, yeah, three of the next like six or seven games we're talking about are, have really, really cool pixel art, not to spoil.
1: Yeah. Hunt the night is another one. This is actually, this was on Alana's list. We've actually asked some of the people from the site uh, who couldn't be on the episode to share some thoughts about what they're super excited about and what they wanted to mention. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, and Hunt the Night was one of them. And Hunt the Night is a action adventure game that just looks, well, again, pixel art, absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's a pixel. It's a pixelated Souls like.
4: I think it's Souls like and sort of Castlevania e.
0: Uh, and which, speaking of,
1: yeah, we had shout-outs,
0: of course. The yeah, Alana was into Tales of Arise, and I know a bunch of people. Eva, who still lurks around. Um, Uh, liz eva real big on the elden ring and has apparently gotten back into uh nursing her dark souls
1: addiction because of it yeah if you have a dark souls addiction this e3 might be a good place for you because there's going to be quite a few of them coming out in the future well at least at least souls like
2: there was a lot yeah
1: the spirit of rob steinman lives
2: (laughs) he was on to something he knew it
1: right what about death trash for cutie death trash for cutie (laughs) Oh, just Death Trash. Oh, okay. I got I got the reference, yeah.
0: It wasn't a good one. No,
1: but I got it. I liked it. it. I appreciate it. Uh, Death Trash. Yeah, it's a post-apocalyptic RPG that kind of looks more like a... I mean, I don't want to bring up Fallout again, but it kind of looks more like a... Like old-school Fallout a little bit. It looks like old-school Fallout, but it looks like almost a Lovecraftian old-school yes. Fallout. yeah, yeah.
0: It's very... It's, it's got a really neat aesthetic. Very much those like, early adventure D&D games.
1: Yeah, it has a lot of cosmic horror kind of feel to it yeah good yeah. a lot of giant eyeballs
4: <laughs> yeah it, it looks like it's pretty big on like decisions and making your own path too. like a lot of the footage and screenshots i've seen is like you talking to like the creatures or the robots or whatever it is that you're interacting with and trying to like them saying it's like well you know we can have this dialogue and like but it looks like it's a struggle to have that dialogue so do you have to fight everyone or i don't know i, I like the I'm not sure exactly how deep that goes, but it looks like it'll be interesting.
0: I'm interested in Loot River.
2: That looks so cool. Such a weird
0: <laughs> thing where I'm like, I think I really like it because it looks really pretty. But at the same time, I'm like, will I get too frustrated by the weird having to shift everything mechanics? Like that boss fight where you were shifting back and forth on the panels. I was like,
4: can I just go up and hit it? Nope.
2: No, shift it.
4: That's the mechanic. You know, I sometimes I get kind of, I get kind of, I guess, weary. I don't want to be too negative, but like when a game's promoted is like, hey, it's like this plus this and also this. Like, I think sometimes.
0: And who asked for that Venn diagram?
2: It's the elevator pitch, right?
4: Yeah. Like, I think people lean on that too much. Like, you can have your own identity, but in this case, it works because when you say Diablo plus Tetris, I don't think anyone's done that. So I'm like, yeah, okay, bring it on.
2: And
0: we've joked about RPG Tetris in the past. And so here we are.
2: Monkey paw wish right there.
4: <laughs> the water can't. I, I will. When I look at this game on Steam or online or whatever, like when I see an animation or video of the water effects, knowing that it's all, maybe the water isn't pixel-based. I don't know. It has really cool water effects.
2: <laughs> I love cool water effects. This is a big deal.
0: Which you would imagine that the river is probably
1: a character of its own, right? Maybe. So.
4: Dark, Diablo plus Tetris plus
1: Moana. I like it. It looks really, really cool. Yeah. Um. It strikes me as the kind of game that, I have high hopes for, and I'm a little bit afraid of, because if they stick the landing, then it could be incredible. If it doesn't work even a little bit, I think it could be ridiculously frustrating to play. Mm -hmm. However, it's been getting a lot of buzz, and it does sound like they may have found that mix that really, really works. So I'm super excited to play it just as a fan of Tetris. I
2: absolutely love how the trailer ends. So like it shows the game credit and then it just flashes a scene where you move a brick, right, like a brick that's like a spike wall into a bunch of enemies a bunch of times. It's really gruesome. <laughs> like They're not going soft with the idea. Just I think they want to be a bit whack. gross with it. Yeah.
0: Uh, was this also where Creature Kind got revealed? Yeah, it was during the Gorilla Collective. And that one's really cool too for its inclusivity angle. The character
2: designs were so pretty. The artwork was really nice.
0: And kind of hearkening to, um, whatchamacallit, the recent game that just got released, but you want to be friendly with the animals, um, which we just got the port. Oh, shoot. What was it? We had, we only, we just got it on the switch. It was a port and we'd never gotten it over here. Oh gosh, I am blanking on it, but you, you're trying to befriend everything and kind of thwart the hero instead of robbing everybody blind. You're talking about moon? moon? Moon! Thank goodness. Yeah, there yeah, yeah. go. Moon! Moon! Uh, it gives me Moon vibes. <laughs> Just with, yeah, they are trying to befriend things instead and like Undertale and Undertale obviously was the lower hanging fruit. I probably should have gone for that, <laughs> yeah. but here we are five yeah. minutes later. Like, like that, except, uh,
4: except with deck building.
0: Yeah. And that's really cool. I like deck building mechanics in my RPGs. I'm not going to lie. I really dug uh, some of the ones I've gotten to play lately and I didn't realize how much I liked it until I tried it. So uh, it might be my thing.
2: No, it's cool to find that as a thing. I know people who have this as a thing. Card building RPGs are really cool.
0: <laughs> and they've really come into vogue over the past couple years, with a few different formats, yeah, and then there was that cupcake one, which was that one. No, that was Wholesome Direct. Never I think
4: I that wasn't sure. Battle well, Cakes Creature Kind was in Wholesome Direct too.
0: Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, I thought it was in the Grillo one.
4: Well, it was right after. Uh, Battle Cakes looks adorable. I I had heard about it or seen screenshots. I'm like, okay, like this looks cute, but it it looks really really. It has the same vibe as like uh, a Paper Mario game. Like they, It looks like they're going to lean heavily on the puns, which I'm okay with dessert puns. Yeah. But uh, it looks really cute. They're pretty sweet. Ooh.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Garden Story looked really cute, too.
0: Yeah, I love that demo,
1: and I can't wait for that to finally land.
2: Vampire the Masquerade is getting its thing, and Mario and rabbits. I did not expect.
1: That's the one I was about to bring up, because uh, while it got announced at Ubisoft's conference... Uh, it actually got leaked a few days early. Mm-hmm. Um, Nintendo themselves leaked, which I don't imagine Ubisoft was particularly thrilled with. No. Nintendo, no. But Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope, which looks to be pulling inspiration from Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate apathetic uh, Rosalina Rabbit.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
4: I shouldn't like it. But. Just, ugh. She's a
0: whole mood.
2: It's totally one of those games. It's not something I expected to like, but the Mario and Rabbids combo is... Great! <laughs> it was great.
0: I still need to play it. It's like it if it's XCOM
1: but Mario. I'm I'm in. When I first saw it, I was a little bit. I was a little bit like, really? And then I thought about it. Mario is the most versatile video game character ever created.
2: I don't get it, but it's true.
1: Any genre, any kind of game, you just shove him in and he seems to work.
2: Why is he at the Olympics?
1: (laughs) (laughs) All we need is a
0: Mario Horror, which I guess Luigi's Mansion kind of. I'm waiting for Mario Gear Solid. (laughs) I mean it would work.
2: It would work. Yeah. Because like they make Snake funny in these stupid Smash trailers. I love it.
0: I just want half naked toad dancing in the rain now. (laughs) Sorry, Mario, but your princess is in another castle. I'm not here for the princess. <laughs> uh, that old webcomic makes my life. Anyways.
1: Uh, Sparks of Hope looks fantastic. Um. <laughs> yeah. Just who knew there was going to be more of it. I have faith in this. They really surprised everyone with the first one. And I think they've certainly, it, they ju- more than justified the sequel, especially since they're introducing new mechanics rather than leaning on what they've already done. Right. So it'll be cool to see where they take it. It was the only game my
0: one of my best friends cared about from the entire E3. He was like, hated
1: it all, but I'm really excited for more rabbids. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say about E3 week every single year, for whether it's E3 or you know, last year's. You really do have to remember that not everything is for me. Yeah. There are always games that aren't yeah. for me that I won't be excited about, but I can register as, wow, I suspect people are going to be losing their minds about this announcement, and it's really, really huge. I don't care, but...
2: One person's trash, one person's treasure, right?
1: A lot of people out there probably want to kill Chaos. (laughs) We'll get to that.
0: Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of people who just want all of what they want. They want
2: all the toys, yeah.
0: (laughs)
1: My bingo card hasn't been crossed out. I am mad.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) And
1: incidentally, if you look back at our E3 prediction episode, there are quite a few slots in the bingo card that have not been filled out, and that's okay. Greg still does not have his Switch Pro.
2: Oh, yeah, no Midnight Road drop, <laughs> surprise drop.
1: Seventh Saga.
0: I don't have Seventh Saga, and I'm so mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's really speculative about that now, but we won't go too deep into it. It's just funny watching everyone. Why didn't they do it? How could they not? And, yeah, you know, it could be just them also straight up trolling, being like, there was too much heat around it. Too bad for you all. You don't
2: get nice things now.
1: We'll get into Nintendo trolling for their actual presentation. There was a couple of just amazingly excellent trolls in it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I did like uh, the, when they were talking about Zelda, like when uh, Aonoma said like, uh, okay, so we're revealing this and this Game & Watch thing. We have no other plans for Zelda's 35th anniversary. Like, this year. They kind of dropped that whole line.
0: Yeah, Yeah. And I think more developers could have led with that when they knew people were which again, we'll get into those conferences too, but I think it's a missed opportunity for them to take that page to go. Let's ease expectations a bit because we know people have things they want and we can't provide right now. Mm -hmm. But what did get uh, was a lot of good stuff, yeah.
1: For my money, the, I guess the busiest day of E3 was uh, June 13th. So the second day. And a lot of good deliveries. Uh, The second day was massive. Yeah, There was some amazing... Reveals There were some reveals that left some people...
2: That will haunt our dreams forever.
1: There was one reveal that I think will go down in history as one of the most memorable E3 baffling... What? Moments ever. But let's take a look at what I think was actually, in my opinion, was the second best presentation of the entire E3 week, which would have been Xbox and Bethesda. Yeah. I agree. It was best in show for a while, apparently. I thought they nailed it. I think... Obviously, Microsoft gained a lot when they bought Bethesda, but they also bought someone who actually knows how to do an E3 presentation.
3: Yeah, I could only think of like one, and I'm going to lead with this for a reason, I can only think of one critique of the show, and this is my critique, which is maybe they could have used a little bit more talking segments, because sometimes like it was so rapid fire, there was like, bam, 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 and I had to like catch my breath a little bit, so maybe I missed something. But again, like if that's what's popping to my mind personally, like that's a fantastic presentation. It's like, I'm saying you had too many games. Stop. Like, no, that was easily at least a B plus. I was
0: very impressed. Just that gif of that girl just constantly being fed food and she can't keep up. Or if you
4: want
1: to go with that, the Homer being fed the donuts in hell. That's where my mind went. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I love that image.
0: It's a good problem to have is the moral of the story. And so, yeah, they had some good stuff on there. Diablo two Resurrect. I mean, we've known about that for a while. It's got a release date. i I want to buy it, but I really don't because I'm like, I don't need to play that game again, but I kind of do, and it's
1: spiffy. I think that game is going to do so well. So many people have fond memories of Diablo 2. I have incredibly fond memories of Diablo 2. It's just, and it looks like a really, really good update and remaster with some new mechanics from the newer games in there. If they pull it off, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like Warcraft 3 remastered. It looks much better than that.
0: Someone said, um, which I think, is what they were hopefully trying to go for. And I think they nailed in one of the previews I read a few months back was just that when they played it, it felt like they were playing exactly what they remembered. That's cool. Because then you can toggle it to like show the old graphics. But even with the new remastered graphics, like because it just, your nostalgia tells you, this is what it looked like. It was this good looking then. But then when you toggle it, you're like, oh no, no, it wasn't. But because they've made it such like a, a good seamless, like a veneer over top of... The game essentially—it's all it is—is is just an update on the graphical stuff and a few tweaks to the mechanics, like you were saying. Like it's just done so well that you, your nostalgia tells you this is exactly what it was like back when.
4: Yeah, I don't remember which which part of the show this was at. Maybe it was after Xbox or one of the IGN ones, but they were interviewing the, I think the brand manager, or like the the guy who's like basically in charge of Diablo as a whole. And they were talking about that. And they, they mentioned the graphic thing because I didn't actually realize that's how they were doing this. Cause they were asking about the, you know, how you can toggle between the graphics and you can really just do it, I guess, at any point. Yeah. Because it's literally it's literally the game is running the old graphics along with the new ones at the same time. So like two layers of game.
2: That's a that's a good little flex. <laughs>
4: it's really, really impressive. And and he was even talking about like now that we're doing this remake. Fans have asked and people have asked, like, you know, can you update things like, you know, maybe expand the inventory a little bit so you're not so cramped and doing some other things. And they're like, well, no, we're we're not changing that kind of stuff because that's part of the experience of the old one. So it sounds like they spent a lot of time trying to figure out, it's like, we're going to update things to a point. But like they still want to be as true as possible to the original.
0: Keep that core
1: experience.
4: And it's been an alpha. It was an alpha in what, April? And I guess people are really liking it. So
1: yeah, it's twenty. guess a twenty-year-old game. It was released in on June twenty-ninth, thousand, which makes me feel. Well, it makes me feel exactly as old as I actually am. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, we had a good another big reveal,
0: which you that was on your bingo card, Jono, and uh, yeah, Quentin, you're pretty stoked for Starfield.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I saw some people online who were just like, after all this wait, that was just like a nothing trailer, that sort of thing. Um, I think one thing that it's important that folks who are looking forward to that look into is that there have been a couple of pretty great interviews with uh, Todd Howard that have come out in the the press trades since. Um, He goes into, you know, more details about what the game is actually about. Um, There's some amazing concept art floating around that really illustrates the diversity of, of the game's landscapes. I'm curious because, like... At first, I was thinking, oh, the whole fan base is going to make the comparison in Skyrim and space, but it probably won't be like that. And I'll try to veer away from that. But no, like, Howard literally straight up led one of the interviews I read with. I think of it as Skyrim in space. And I was like, oh, they're, they're inviting it themselves. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, like, you got the spaceship. And so I'm thinking you probably go around in space, you know, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be some sort of open world title. But how do you do that? with multiple star systems. Open worlds. Open worlds, yeah. (laughs) Like, are they going to try to go the whole nine yards and have, like, space flight be part of it? Yeah, exactly. Or are they going to be like, you go, oh, there's a portal. You see that mountain? You can teleport yourself to another mountain for it or something like that but um
2: i've always wanted to do that yeah you know it's on
1: my bucket list by saying skyrim in space he just means that they're going to put it on every console available <laughs> for the next 15 to 20 there years that, that's, it. that's
2: exactly yeah. what they meant we're all
1: waiting for it to be released now well in five or six years from now we're going to be like they're releasing it again it's now on we with just dance 2020 <laughs> oh god Uh, There are a lot of questions I have about Starfield and a lot of questions that will be answered in the next few years. I was actually pretty happy with the trailer. It it did not blow me away. I didn't lose my mind at it, but I was like, okay, this could be be Bethesda at their best. If they take the time and they really work at it and they release a broken title that fans can fix, it could be like the Bethesda of old.
3: My favorite thing about it, a lot of people, they looked at the trailer and they were like, you know, well, that was just a bunch of CG, we don't know what the game's going to look like, or that sort of thing. No, that's actually the creation engine too. That's In-Engine. And while I know that ing engine could be pre-rendered and that sort of thing, I'm sure it probably was, that's our first taste of what looks to be the big, big graphical overhaul that, that some folks have thought that uh, Bethesda's kind of needed for a long time. And if the game looks anywhere near as cool as, as that trailer, then, then wow, that's a step. That's a big step.
1: Yeah, yeah. I agree, Quentin. They need that graphic overhaul too because I have, obviously, I have opinions about uh, Fallout 76, but that game does not look like a game that was released in 2018. Like, it just doesn't. And, like, for all of their talk about how they increased the draw distance, etc. I mean, like, even Fallout 4 didn't look like a game that was released in, was it, 2015? They've needed a big update for a long time, and it looks like this may give them that update. That being said... I have a feeling that another game announced sort of ate their lunch when it came to the going into space <laughs> Han Solo simulator. Yeah, right. Which they already did a few years ago, but the Outer Worlds two was announced in a trailer that announced nothing but the title.
2: That was cheeky.
4: That trailer was fantastic. It was so good.
1: It was just a giant moonhead waving his finger. It was a great trailer. Uh, it really did. Feel like the outer worlds. It
2: was on brand. Yeah,
1: the satirical nature of the outer worlds was reflected in that trailer. I was not expecting this. This Bit was a wink. I was so not expecting this that I was like trying to figure out what it was, and I was like, this looks like the outer worlds. Weird. Huh. I wonder what it is.
2: No, I thought they teased this out already.
1: We knew that they were developing it. We knew that there was okay. that they were working on it, but we certainly had gotten no confirmation or anything like that, let alone it being in the E3 presentation. My hopes for that game are over the moon. Um, uh-huh. I am I, yeah yeah it um, I love The Outer Worlds I was a little let down by the final piece of DLC but the overall experience for me was super positive and I am very excited to see what Obsidian can do with the power of Microsoft behind them, like theoretically, this is no longer going to be a double A game. There's going to be a triple A game. I hope.
2: And Outer Outer Worlds could have used a little bit more of that. So I think it'll be a nice sheen it gets in the in part two.
1: I think so too. And I think that part one did such a beautiful job of building this foundation. I'm gonna say world, but bu- yeah, building this uh, this th- this verse. Yeah. And this one says there's going to be a new system. There's going to be a new crew, which to me sounds like there might be aside from Spacer's choice, which. You know, it was obviously there because the moonhead, but there's going to be new corporations, which means that they're going to be developing these whole new cultures, which was my favorite part of the game was how each one of these corporations was a fully developed society almost with its own rules. And uh, they took corporate culture
0: to the nth degree. Yeah.
1: Well, Caitlin's playing uh, the outer worlds right now, and she is very much enjoying it and is enjoying the Firefly references throughout. So yeah, super excited about this game. I suspect it, it's probably the thing I'm most excited about from the Xbox Bethesda presentation. I can guarantee that nobody else shares that opinion because <laughs> we got some more information about a game and an unexpected spinoff that got released. Uh, does anyone else want to take a chance at saying the title? Uh, Rabbit and Bear. Ayudin <laughs> I- Chronicle. You
0: already? reading you Chronicle? Ayudin I- Chronicle. Yeah. 100 heroes and then you got the spin off of
2: Rising. That was a good rise. Yeah,
3: the spin
0: off, the spin off
3: coming out before the main game, it really reminds me of um, like IGA has done with Bloodstains, where there was like that 2D
2: oh, game the that Curse of came the Moon kind of thing.
3: Yeah, and if Rising pulls in the same kind of positivity that that game did, then I think it could do really really well to enhance the uh, commercial potential of the main game. So, I'm hoping it, it's good.
1: Well, I'm super excited about it because it's a town building RPG. And that was always my favorite part of uh, Suikoden games was building up the castle.
2: I love that game so much. And especially because of that, I love just walking around the town.
1: I do too. And I think that especially if they're using this game as a way to develop the town building mechanics, we could see some of those mechanics transferred over into 100 Heroes.
4: Yeah. It's surprising. It's cool. It seems like so much work. Like what they did with Bloodstain, doing the spinoff, they're doing it here. This other game wasn't wasn't... At E3, but I'm gonna bring it up because I I follow it on Kickstarter. But there's a like 16 bit, like Zelda style game. I don't remember the developer, Uh, Hazelnut Bastille. And they're doing the same thing. Like they're working on the main game, but in the meantime, they're also working on like a smaller 8 bit style version. And I'm like, how do you have the time to do a second one, too? Like, it's neat. It
2: could be a testing programming ground, to be honest. Maybe. Yeah, especially if it is low-key and low-budget. It's like a demo.
4: But if it helps them, you know, all of these developers, you know, get some ideas out there and get some more hype going for the main game. And obviously, they... <laughs> Especially in Ayuden's case, got a little bit more money than they were expecting to. Just a bit. I guess they can do it.
1: Yeah, it's not like they lack for funds. Well, they might, but they certainly don't lack for ambition because those funds came with so many stretch goals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suspect the stretch goals added at least a year, maybe a year and a half, to the overall development of the game. But
2: damn it! Stop giving us so much money, God! It's so much more work. <laughs>
4: I imagine some of it, though, will will also be, not to keep referencing Bloodstain, but a lot of Bloodstain's stretch goals came out after the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As di- additional modes and stuff, and I think that's a cool way to, of still doing it.
1: I think so, too. I'm, like, believe me, I am in no way upset that we need to wait a couple of years to play this game. I, I want them to take the time they need to really nail it and perfect it. It looks gorgeous already, and if they have some extra time to work on the gameplay elements that had been promised i i mean everyone's excited for this thing yeah
2: it's crazy like for how old suikoden is and how long it's been since an actual mainline game just the positive reaction this still has like people have been carrying a torch for it for a long time
4: it's the metroid of strategy rpgs
3: yeah no matter how long metroid can go without something you know like substantial which i mean we're, we're seeing now yeah but like, no matter how long that can take, people carry that torch for a reason. And I think that's a really good point, Mike. I'd never thought about that before. Like, Again*, it doesn't matter if the game never gets, you know, if the franchise never gets supported again. You look at the amount of money that the developers here are banking like to make Ayugan Chronicles, and it's like, hello. like. We exist. We're still here.
4: Right. Like, this is still viable.
2: I think to some extent, like, you know, just as much as some other genres, because, I mean, you're playing, like, a lot of these games and RPGs for, like, hours, for, like, many, many hours, for 80, maybe more hours, right? And, uh, you know, you kind of fit into the experience of the whole thing, so... I think people are just really excited about video games. You kind of do spend a lot of time with these things, interacting with it. And so I think people carry a torch for something they really had an experience with. Yeah,
1: and I think part of the problem is that when when you feel that passionate about something and the developer delivers something that you don't expect, people get disappointed and people can get a little bit angry sometimes.
2: I I try not to talk about it. I like to think that for the most part, we're happy humans here and, you know, just kind of getting a positive thing out of it.
1: We're all happy humans. We're all happy humans. And with that in mind, let's talk about the Square Enix Conference. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) <laughs> <sighs>
2: yeah
0: talk about the the chaos in the room
2: it was the funniest trailer ever we were having such a great time with it and twitch has been lit with uh spamming the chaos command
1: it is going to go down in history as one of the most memorable baffling head-scratching moments in e3 history yeah uh, the reveal of it. the stranger of paradise final fantasy origin trailer We'll get to the other stuff in a minute.
2: We even got prepared beforehand. Like it was already leaked, you know, and people just were not ready for what happened.
3: (laughs)
0: Yeah. For what it actually turned out to
3: be. Yeah. I knew that something was in development that had something to do with FF1. You know, and I think like a lot of people that already knew that I was kind of going into it like, Oh, is this going to be like a festival of like a mono art and like super old school kind of like, you know, gothic, but FF1. I wish.
0: (laughs) That's what we
1: said last episode. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, not what we got. No, no. Nope. Now I suspect that everyone listening to this has their own thoughts about this, and they certainly know about all of the chaos that happened. But someone managed to get through the chaos and actually play the demo. Quentin, you actually played it.
3: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was difficult to get started with that because for like over thirty hours, the the demo itself uh, was corrupt. It was. It was chaotic. Yeah, they had issues. Yeah, when I was finally able to get in there, I am of two almost diametrically opposed minds about my experience with Stranger of Paradise. I'm trying to be as objective as possible. Side of me is saying, okay, so this definitely doesn't feel like an FF to me, you know, whatever that means. And its FPS drops are, are really rough and its its visuals are really rough. But, uh, you know, it's in development and, you know, things can change, you know. Square
2: Enix is usually pretty good about feedback.
0: <laughs> Don't make it. <laughs> Can you imagine how much of that they're getting? Ugh. I think, you know,
3: with it's with its Team Ninja being at the helm here, Neo and all that, I think the people who want a good action game with a strong like robust core to it.
0: All three of those guys got robust cores. Yeah,
3: oh yeah. If they clean up the obvious uh big, big time blemishes, I mean like I hate to say it, like I really don't want to harp on a, a game's graphics too much. That's not usually why I'm here, you know, but like in the beginning of the game, um, of, of the demo, you're in this like, this weak field where you're, you're doing a few tutorials to get the hang of like, certain special abilities, and the abilities are really cool. Like, again, I think the foundation here is something that like, Neo fans are really going to appreciate, Souls fans might appreciate you know, in general, but the weak field looks like this messy blotch of yellow. It took me a moment, and maybe my eyes need to be checked, but it really took me a moment to realize what I was looking at.
2: Maybe it single handedly crashed that demo. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there was just like this
3: dude, bro, standing in like a a painting of yellow with like vague wheat strokes, and then like this goblin's coming up. And the sound mixing needs a lot of work, too, because I swear the goblin came up, and I thought the goblin was spouting Jack's lines, which would have been a lot funnier. (laughs) It's like he starts running up, and I'm just hearing like, I don't have time for this. And I am just like, <laughs> this goblin's a badass. And he's coming at me and he's like <laughs> jumping and he's lunging. And he's just like, you're going down. And then it finally occurred to me oh, oh, that's me. So, but yeah, uh, the demo is definitely difficult, at least for me. Like, I'm not extremely proficient with like technical action games by any stretch, but I'm like okay at them. Mm. There are a few moments in there where I was like, wow, this is working really well together um again like the core abilities come together nicely um you're wanting to break enemies there's like a break system you know like get them sort of till they're like vulnerable but they can do the same thing to you
0: very visceral
3: yeah um, but then the other side of me that's that's the half of me Um, that's like yeah this has a lot of potential it's just really rough around the edges the other side of me cool just, like I've never felt this way about a Final Fantasy spinoff before. I've always tried to tell myself Final Fantasy is anything that the developers want it to be. It just doesn't feel like it at all to me. <laughs> there's nothing in there. Even the bombs—like they've got the bombing amazing, you know—and hey, they're getting bigger. Uh oh, we better stop them, you know. And there's like this vague FF moment, and then I realized, at least personally, the best way to handle it is to just grab it with Jack's like big arms and just. Face planted into the ground and watch it like explode into like red crystals that are basically blood. And I'm like, and eh, we're no longer Final Fantasy. I
2: love that PG thirteen blood effect. It just like crystallizes or something. Yeah, it's like red crystallization. That's so on brand for Final Fantasy. Okay, so there's something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so is uh, we all in agreement then that Spirits Within is no longer the worst Final Fantasy? Oh.
1: It's funny. I've been doing a lot of thinking about Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin, and the reception it got. If the game had been released without Final Fantasy origin attached, if it was just called Stranger of Paradise, I feel like it would have been met with a resounding meh. It wasn't just the subverted expectations. I mean, if you're presented with something new, especially a a, a fan base as passionate as Final Fantasy's fan base... There are always going to be people who are negative towards it and negative towards the change. But in this particular case, it didn't just turn expectations on their head. It greeted them with something that was frankly and utterly absurd. Just the most ridiculous, overblown parody of a character and dialogue that they possibly could have. So I think that contributed to it.
2: I wanted to tell the story of an angry man. (sighs) Why are you advertising that?
1: But the big one was the demo got corrupted yeah. and i think that just stuck a, a crystal red crystal stake yeah. through the heart of yeah. the opinion yeah because if it was available immediately people would have downloaded it they would have said oh okay this is fine and i feel like a lot of the criticism would have been muted there still would have been the criticism but instead because the demo was such a disaster there was nothing else to talk about but chaos Like, it could not have gone worse for the launch at this particular title. I mean, there's no such thing as bad press? Mm.
2: Like, I didn't see the trailer. I only saw a comment first, and they said, oh my god, the dialogue is so cringe, and I knew exactly what to expect. (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited.
4: That's part of the problem, too. Like, if it wasn't branded Final Fantasy, because... Whatever your opinions on any given Final Fantasy, for the most part, those of us that like it, to some extent you're playing it for the characters and the story and whatever else is going on. But there is some kind of expectation. So, like, if you're a Final Fantasy fan, you come into this and it's, like, influenced by Final Fantasy 1. Not that you're playing Final Fantasy 1 for the plot. But, you know, it's like you're just immediately put off by this, like, unlikable character. So, between that and just the weird... Even if you knew it was coming, like you felt you followed rumors, like, okay, it's like Souls, like Final Fantasy. And I think in your head, if you're picturing something like Elden Ring or um, what's that other one? There was another game announced later in the week, uh, Solstice. Yeah. Solstice. um, It's, I think it's indie or indie adjacent, but that game looks cool.
1: It's an Italian developer. Yeah.
4: Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. I mean, like that. I think those two games are kind of what a lot of them might have been picturing. Not so much this, not just a guy yelling about chaos. Chaos.
1: Mike and I were talking during solstice and I said, I said to you, uh, is it just me or does this look like what we expected from final fantasy origin?
4: Yeah. (laughs) I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, and, Maybe, maybe Jack has a reason to be angry. And maybe if that was communicated in the trailer, people would feel differently. So we don't know. Is it because he got sucked into his TV into this world? I don't know.
2: He said it like, like eight times alone in the trailer. Yeah. Crazy.
1: Who would be that angry about being sucked into like your <laughs> fantasy world? Yeah. Exactly. Like your your favorite video game, you're playing Final Fantasy, you're like, this is awesome. And then you get sucked into the TV and you are just furious. Right. <laughs>
2: How come when, like, a young naive sixteen-year-old in an anime goes into an isekai, he gets surrounded by beautiful, big-bosomed woman, And this time, it's just you Garland. Know, we try to get yeah. something serious, and it's just edgy, dark chaos, man. Yeah, <laughs> I was so sad the redhead character was not the lead. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my Final Fantasy One moment. I was like, "Oh, hey, it's a redhead," and now nah, he's just a lackey with bad one-liners. I, all
0: I know is, it seems like they just took a page from what was a really great movie concept idea and looked at X Men Origins Wolverine. We're like, "Well, that worked, <laughs> yeah.
1: so let's just their Origin on this one," and it's a slam dunk. Look, if they right? sewed this guy's mouth shut, the game could only improve. Yeah, I I just <laughs> like
0: that someone has already made an edit of an Eminem song with him saying. Well, chaos.
2: were there like a lot of like story scenes in the demo, like <laughs> worth writing about? go no. so. <laughs> yeah
1: see? Well, that's, that's that's enough we're good it's
4: okay. it's one of those and this this will be the last thing i say i it. like it's one of those things like i hope in the end for you know the sake of the developers and for the sake of people playing and yeah. like yeah. i hope it turns out all right i yeah. think Did i it? think the presentation was just weird especially since everyone was going in and for some reason square decided to say like you know we're going to focus on western games and so didn't even mention that they were going to show final fantasy anything so that kind of threw people off then showing this game threw people off and then the bizarre like like steph mentioned like the the press release like the quotes from the developers like i had this great original idea of telling a story of an angry man and like that, okay that's maybe been done once and then like just some <laughs> of the other some of the other quotes in there are just so weird like when they say stuff like this is a bold new direction for Final Fantasy, which I know is going to anger people, because then that's yeah. implying like, oh, this is what we're going to do from now on, which I'm sure it isn't. But then again, that quote is there. So it's like, it's like, what is all this? And then, of course, the demo being broken, like it was just so badly handled, even if the game turns out well.
2: Yeah, I feel like they had a really bad grip on just like what they think is kind of cool right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it, it just felt awkward.
1: It also has to do with the structure of the presentation itself, because they primed themselves for an already pissed off audience after giving us a full 30 second trailer for Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster <laughs> Series.
2: <laughs>
1: and without without releasing it on the Switch. Enjoyed the classics
0: as you remember them, but with no contrast.
4: I have, I have a little nugget on that one, and I can't give you a, a source, um, but a friend of mine told me that he was reading, I, I assume, a Japanese article about it. But I guess, you know, there's that comparison floating around RPG site, and some other people did one.. Yeah. And I don't remember exa- I don't know because I didn't read this directly because I don't read Japanese. But there is apparently like part of the reason for like the slightly subdued colors on the new sprites is that they tried to make it look like the old sprites actually looked like on a CRT. Like, we're looking at them on a computer where, like, you can pull a sprite out of an emulator and it's like, oh, it's like the perfect color, and right, that's not exactly how it looked when you were a kid playing on a
0: TV. So, I still think it's going to be cool when it gets done, though. I'm excited for a whole collection of them.
2: I'm that real brat who's sad that we're not getting like PSP style remakes. I'm going to be a bit of a brat about that, me too. But
4: if they all look like Final Fantasy VI, I I think I I can get behind that. I'm really actually excited that we're getting a 2D version of Final Fantasy III in English,
1: and it's going to be that's going to be a full bledged remake. I don't think they've ever actually done a 16-bit style Final Fantasy 3 before. No. It
4: didn't actually get released.
1: They were working on the Wondrous One.
3: A
4: Wondrous One was going to get a remake, yeah.
1: So, it's going to be fascinating. Also, I mean, if you look at the sprite for uh, uh, the Warrior of Light from Final Fantasy 1, in comparison to his sprite from Final Fantasy 1, Dawn of... Why am I blanking on the name? Dawn of
4: of Souls. Dawn
1: of Souls. Uh, He looks much more true to the original sprite.
3: Yeah, I really like that. I love Dawn of Souls, I love Anniversary, I love both those ports dearly, but uh, one thing that always threw me off was Warrior, Fighter, Warrior Flight, whatever you want to call that particular job icon, just looking like, um, you know, not like, not like Fighter. Like He-Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think that uh, we have to be, first off, it was 30 seconds, and like I said, it was a 30 seconds that angered many people based on the ending which announced it for uh, mobile and PC, but not for Switch, which is what everyone wants it on. I was sure that we were going to see a Switch announcement for the Nintendo Direct. I thought so too.
2: I'm sure we will, but like, I'm not surprised. They like to spread out those announcements so they can stay in the press, I think.
1: Yeah, like this is the big monkey's
3: paw, um, obviously. But for me, again, similar to with Origin, you know, I heard like murmuring and stuff about this thing coming out. And one thing that I didn't hear, this is not how it's supposed to look. Um, but with this, with, with the Pixel remasters, I did not hear that it was not coming to consoles, like, right alongside everything else. So I was hyped. I was hoping to see it, like, you know, revealed and, and proven true ASAP. And then, so, like, that was such a, I don't want to sound dramatic, but just, like, as someone whose laptop barely turns on and, and kind of sticks to, like, old phones, I mean, that's on me. But it felt like a slap in the face.
1: It's such a weird
3: omission.
2: Especially since all six games are on the Nintendo consoles. I mean, come on.
4: Yeah. But there's basically no chance it won't be on Switch. Everything yeah. ends up on Switch. Why they didn't reveal that, I don't know. But I think it, it goes back to, like, who put this presentation together. Because to not include... I mean, not only Switch. Like, I'm sure it could would be fine on PS4. And if it's on PC, it'll probably be on Xbox. So, like, just put it on everything.
2: That would have been a big announcement to be on all consoles like that. Like, that would have been way more buzzworthy if the graphics weren't winning people over because there's already been a lot of fuss about that. So, ignoring that, like, to say it's on all consoles, I think would have been a nice, you know, kind of band-aid on that.
1: I genuinely think that it contributed to the reception that Final Fantasy Origin got. I think after that, there were a lot of fans who had a real sour taste in their mouth and they were really hoping that Origin would soothe that and instead they... Poked it with a stick.
2: It was like three seconds of like Final Fantasy 16 They were saying too. Yeah. yeah
1: see, that, that's the thing. Like, it
4: was a thirty-second video, and only three seconds of it. If you pause it and look, you can see the game. Like, they didn't really show the games either. So I'm like, but I don't know. It was just. It, it'll be exciting. It's my it's my favorite thing in that presentation. But we didn't see we didn't see enough of it.
1: It's also important to remember that I went. You know, I think a lot of people went through that trailer bit by bit. And only Final Fantasy one through four is featured in the screenshots. Yeah, there are sprites of of Final Fantasy five and six, but we don't actually see any screenshots of five or six, which to me indicates they're not even remotely done yet. So I think all of these are probably pretty early on in development. Like I don't think maybe one would be finished, but I think there's still a lot of work to go. So yeah, obviously the sprite comparison is really really interesting, and they're going to be trying a number of different things. But based on feedback, we might end up getting the Black Borders back. Who knows? Yeah, who knows indeed. I think it spells the death for the Octopath Traveler remake of Final oh. Fantasy VI, though. I think that's the end of that. Yeah. I think they're going to focus their Dragon Quest. Uh, Dragon Quest is going to be focused on the... Uh, 2DHD. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, next, uh Tino Ola, who all of you might remember from Crowdfunding Chronicles, uh, was a big fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. In all of its form. And
1: uh, it looks pretty neat. It could be better than uh, the Marvel Avengers one. They
2: said it was going to be like more strictly uh, single player, right?
1: It's not developed by the same people. Uh, it could be really interesting. I think the reason why a lot of opinions about it were fairly negative was just because it took up like half the bloody presentation. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was long, yeah.
1: But they were already keeping it Western, so... Yeah, but if they had announced the game and they showed a little bit of gameplay, I think that people would have walked away with a much more positive impression than they actually... Walked away from.
2: You have to show that stuff. Like, a lot of people do get really bitter if it's just a, you know, just a big fancy CG trailer doing all the work. Yeah.
4: I think, you know, since it's the first time they're revealing it and the game comes out this fall, like, that game could have warranted its own presentation.
1: You're probably right, yeah.
4: I mean, I I think it looks good. You know, I, I know... People keep comparing it to the vendors, and I don't really know why. I know Square is publishing it, but there, there's a big difference between Crystal Dynamics and IDOS Montreal. Yeah, as much as I would like them to make another Deus Ex game, they are talented developers. So
2: I want to see IDOS make a Final Fantasy game.
4: Oh yeah, see that'd be cool.
0: Like that Final Fantasy twenty-five that they teased in Deus Ex. Oh
4: yeah, Human <laughs> Revolution. It, it looks it looks Mass Effect E with maybe like a little bit of Final Fantasy thirteen or fifteen influence in some of the battle features and just good dialogue because i like guardians and i like the humor i do think it was too
1: much of the presentation but i think it looks pretty good i think it looks good too
2: it was one of the most viewed trailers that year actually like so i think they're impressed
1: i'm a fan of guardians of the galaxy and not just the not just the films like i like the comic books i've read the comic books for years i think that marvel's cosmic side has so much potential that is just being yeah. touched upon in the films well said. and it looks like with some very obscure villains and things they're going to be leaning into that with this game obviously some of the character designs are much more inspired by uh the comics than they are the films i was happy
2: about that yeah i was happy
1: about that well aside from aside from rocket's little little beard that's that yeah. looks weird <laughs> but aside from that i think it looks good i think it's going to be fun I don't think it's going to set the world on fire, but I think it might be a really good Marvel game and it might be a good chaser uh, after uh, the relative failure of Avengers to catch on with the gaming public. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: But we got more Babylon's Fall and that's a thing. I like the weird, also like that watercolor-y art style made me think of Skyward Sword.
2: Yeah, I noticed that there was like a filter over it.
0: Yeah, just doesn't affect the characters. So the characters look a little weird. They pop out a bit too much, but it's... Nice looking, but I'm not sure what to feel about it. But I do
1: like that I can play it with friends.
2: That's honestly a big win for me, too. If you can play it with friends, then as long as it's a good multiplayer game, it's going to be a good game.
1: I think, again, people were kind of hoping that it was going to be a brand new single player RPG. With, yeah. That's not a live service game.
2: And Platinum's helping out, so they have really high expectations. And then Bayonetta was a no-show, so everyone's just kind of like, mm, why? Well, like.
1: uh, but also Plat- <laughs> Platinum is
4: helping <laughs> out, and like they have a pretty darn good track record. So, I mean, I'm definitely a fan yeah, of theirs. They do
2: and they don't. I mean, I know,
4: I know. I know it depends on which <laughs> <Not lately. laughs> which, which, part of Platinum, right?
2: Yeah, I know. Yeah.
4: Is it the one that made Nier or is it the one that did... What was the Switch game? Astral Chain? Yes. Or was, that, or was that one good?
1: Astral Chain was
2: pretty good.
4: Okay, all right. Then I'm thinking of something else.
2: It was cool.
1: They gave us the animated intro for Legend of Mana, which was really, really cool, which I imagine that Greg did enjoy. It's very neat. I just very...
0: There's a lot of selective animation that I'm just like, why... Mm. Why is that where you chose to focus the quote-unquote camera? But anyways, whatever. It's very neat seeing that world.
2: Of all the is that you wouldn't think would be into that lately, yeah, kind of took that the one dive angle right in. Yeah,
1: it's cool seeing them. For me, here's the thing about that presentation: it, it didn't necessarily have to do with any of the games because you can edit things into anything. It was like they could have made Final Fantasy Origin look like a reimagining of the original Final Fantasy if they had selectively taken clips, but that's not what they wanted to do. I think the problem with the Square Enix was not the games. I think it was the entire structure of the presentation like they started with way too much guardians of the galaxy they they blew the roof off the place with the pixel remasters and then immediately undercut that with not being released on any consoles. Babylon's fall just kind of fell flat because at that point, people were already disappointed.
0: Babylon falled.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And then, of course, the Final Fantasy origin. It was a disaster of a presentation. Actually, the, the very
4: end, we didn't touch on the end, where they're like, oh, also, there are these. And we saw like two or three seconds of Forspoken for and Final Fantasy sixteen and Endwalker and, like...
0: Look forward to Tokyo Game Show for that.
4: Those are weird things to have as footnotes.
3: <laughs> yeah. A little tiny part of me is starting to wonder if Square's Western division is, like, regressing to, like, the PS3 era. And they're like, oh, you know, people aren't interested over there in seeing, like, the, the Asian side as much... So we'll just shove, like, you know, DMC, Devil May Cry reboot, Dante, Jack down their throats and that sort of thing. And I, I think it's probably going to be okay. Because I know that, like, last year or later this year, I, I can't remember, COVID's it's just, like, a, a blur. They did, like, a Western, like, Square did a Western presentation. And then they did, like, a Japanese-focused presentation. So if they keep that going, it's, like, okay. But, like, when I compare the fact, you know, it's, it's cool that Dragon Quest's event was, like, english dubbed in real time for the first time but you had to go there in order to learn about all that stuff that we're like super into and then whoever designed this like square enix conference this year at e3 just i again like it feels like they were looking at things in like 2009 spectacles when the media was starting to kind of come down a little bit on like final fantasy and that stuff for a couple of years and they were just like oh i know leather jackets and 26 minutes of guardians of the galaxy and um yeah, the world ends with you is is like right around the corner. Here's two seconds of it. Bye.
1: I don't think they. I don't think they had any interest in appealing to what I think is the core audience of Square Enix. Like I, I yep. people. I think they were trying to capture the attention of an audience that couldn't care less about Square Enix, and in doing so, they alienated the people that love them.
4: And, and you know, what's funny too, is that um, I said I was done. Uh,
1: You're not done. I,
4: I am done after this because <laughs> we have like other presentations. The thing is, though, like. One, it will be okay, as as Quentin said. You know, it, it's easy to forget because, like, you know, years go by, and this was not Square's first like bad E three presentation. I think nope. I don't know what year it was. Like, was it twenty? It was a while ago, twenty fifteen or so. I think it was when they revealed yeah. they were doing a sequel to Nier. I remember being being in L A. watching the presentation, and it's like they're like, "Oh yeah, we're doing a new Near," and everyone's like, "Okay," and like, "No, that, we can't say anything about it." i like that. Presentation. I don't remember the rest of it because it was the blandest thing we had ever seen. Like they were just standing there. Like they look so bored presenting whatever it was they are presenting. And it's like that was that was awful. Like it didn't offend like this one, but it was just there was just a bunch of nothing.
0: We're just here because we have yeah. to. Yeah.
4: But then you you go to the show floor, and especially ever since fourteen took off, Square's booth at E three is
2: oh, it's crazy eighty
4: percent Final Fantasy fourteen. And then the rest is like Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest and like a little bit of some other things like in person, they focus on that stuff that you expect. Even so even when they would have a presentation, it's like, eh, well, that wasn't interesting. But we know on the show floor, there's there'll be a big screen that'll be promoting like all the Final Fantasy games coming up and Kingdom Hearts.
0: Yeah, you would have been playing the first soldier.
4: Yeah. RPG fan on the accolades trailer for Final Fantasy 14, which is always a cool thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like so we didn't have that. Like this year, we didn't get that booth because there were no such things as E3 booths. So we only got the presentation and like no like, well, it'll be okay because we can we can go play
0: we can go see what they've got and try it out for ourselves and yeah
4: it so it, like who puts on the presentation versus who builds the show floor like there's a very big disconnect there
0: uh yeah no it's uh, no companies without its dud years and i think the other thing too is yeah square enix has definitely been riding high and making a comeback so seeing it fall like that was really unfortunate but um but at any rate we that was kind of more or less it for a lot of e3 stuff we do have capcom to look forward to but there was the future game show uh which we got a couple previews from as well which uh i think Quentin, you played coromon and you did dreamscaper jano yes i did yeah talk to us about those and dark well i guess no one
1: got dark dated but dark datey looks cool yeah Audra reviewed it but
0: i mean we didn't have like no one on the show is what i mean sorry to say
1: yeah Audra reviewed it and she really really liked it uh give the review a, a look it's pretty cool yeah. Especially if you like Fire Emblem. It's different than Fire Emblem. They do a lot of different things, but it was inspired by Fire Emblem. So if you're a fan of that sort of game, it might be something you want to take a look at.
3: Yeah, I'll I'll jump into Coromon, I guess.
1: I'll, Please, I'll I really want to hear Coromon. about yeah.
3: this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. I like it. Um, I think, you know, and, and you can't blame anybody for going into it like this, but the first thing that's going to pop into anybody is that Pokemon. And it's not like the developers are, are shying away from that. You know, we all know, kind of what's going on here with these, um, with these. There's a formula. Yeah, there's a formula. (laughs) So I think what matters the most with these, these sort of like inspired, you know, these like poke likes, I think I wrote in my article, something something like that. (laughs) Um, What matters is that there's something else going on and that everything is done fairly well. And with Coromon, there's kind of like two and a half, maybe even three games going on here. You've got your, your monster taming and everything that that entails. But even within that system, I felt like, especially with like the boss battle against these, there's these creatures called Titans. And um, you're kind of going around uh, this, this island region, not too surprising, but you're collecting their essences because there's this evil organization. I mean, it's it's, it's all kind of there in the, in the premise. Um, so you're going around and one of your big goals, you're working for uh, this big tech company is to gather these essences, so you're going into these different dungeons, there's six of them, and from the preview and from the demo I played, it's this, like, sort of, like, ancient Egyptian-themed pyramid structure, and when you get to the boss there, there's a lot more going on with, like, the team dynamic, uh, like, for your multiple, like, Koromon, than you tend to see in something like Pokémon. You kind of have to set things up with different Koromon, and then kind of, like, roll from there with, like, switch-outs. Um, there's a lot of buffing and debuffing going on that is, like, critical. It
0: gets overlooked a lot in, like, the, the, the team battles in Pokemon, I find, because there's so many times you want to set something up and, like, use those, like, support Pokemon, but, like, they're really useless in most cases, even in... Like, you just want to have a fast Pokemon that hits hard, and that's basically your key to victory.
3: Exactly, and while that changes, you know, with the meta, with, like, going into multiplayer and stuff, a lot of folks... Aren't going to do that, or, or just don't really have the time for, it or the interest. But with Koromon, that's kind of their front and center. Very cool. So that these species that are more support based, without them, I I would have I would have gotten a game over there. Uh, this guy, this Titan, was hitting hard, and he had multiple stages uh, with increasing strength, but also different tactics involved. Um, so yeah, very cool. And then the other thing that sets it apart, and this is in a bigger way, I think, is um, when I was going through the dungeon, there was a lot of 2D Zelda going on, Ooh. which surprised me in, in a very good way. Um, yeah, there are darts uh, you know, flying around that you have to look out for. Um, there are pitfalls. There, there was this like puzzle that was like six pieces of a big doorway that you had to align just so in order to get the whole thing to open up to get to the Titan room. Yeah, super cool, super cool. And even like, you know, with the HMs and Pokemon games, and I realize a lot of that has changed over the years, but here your, your hero character is kind of earning their keep more because instead of like saying to your Pokemon, uh, go move that boulder for me, you actually have like these tech things on your wrists and stuff. You're the one that pushes that boulder out of your way. Like the Koromon can just rest because they're the ones fighting for you. And you're the one that teleports Sacred Dungeon and that sort of thing. So it really feels like more of a, a team interplay, I think, between the player character and the Koromon themselves, too. Um, almost like a Digimon moment in that regard. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and I really like it. And the, the graphics are very GBA um, in a good way.
2: They looked really nice. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, the music seems pretty good. Uh, there were only a few tracks in the demo. I can't think of anything really to, to criticize. Uh, the only thing that comes to mind is like, I only saw like maybe two battle backgrounds, but they were both very in-depth, very, you know, great in terms of like the art design and that sort of thing. And it's a demo, it's a work in progress. Other than that, I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, it looks really, really cool. Like like you said, the, the late era... GBA early era uh, DS style graphics really do catch the eye uh, for fans of the series who fans of the Pokemon series who you know think that's sort of when it peaked, and I think it's really cool that they have gone about actually creating their own original uh, Pocket Monsters rather than like do what a lot of people do and that's create a fan hack.
0: Yeah, they're just owning it.
1: Yeah, because I mean this this is going to be original and it might bring some. It sounds like it's going to bring some stuff to the series that hasn't been in the series for a little while now.
0: Well, and it could also challenge what Game Freak wants to do moving forward when they see like, oh, shoot, fans are doing this or other companies are doing this and fans are really responding. If we want to stay relevant and not lose out to, you know, Doramon, then let's uh, start doing some of that.
2: It's nice to see there's actually some good competition by that. Like there were a lot of early on copycats to Pokemon, but it's nice to see some are really trying to, you know, put a big step forward into this direction. Very curious to see because... Game Freak is slacking a little bit.
0: <laughs> they're resting on their laurels, which you know, kudos to yeah, them. But, earned, yeah, exactly. But you know, now they're gonna they they're gonna start getting to that like Square Enix level where they plateau and then take a dive and then they have to reinvent themselves or die.
2: Dun dun dun. Well,
0: just as a as a company, right? Like just lose relevance and yeah, yeah, yeah. get bought up by Microsoft. You know,
1: whatever. Like <laughs> Nintendo would ever allow that ever. But uh, yeah, I'm.
0: Jono, what did you play from that uh, show?
1: I played a game called Dreamscaper, and it is a action RPG roguelike experience, and I just really, really had a great time with it.
0: <laughs> I was not sure which way that was going to land. Jeepers.
1: No, I had a fantastic time Edge of my seat. Let, let me put it this way. I finished writing the preview, and then I kept playing the game. Like, it's... It, the whole idea is, it's a it, it's a roguelike, but it, it, there are two parts to the game. One is you are a uh, young woman named Cassidy, and she has the ability, the second her head hits the pillow, she's out cold and she goes into a dream. So every night she falls into her dreams and nightmares, and this is the dungeon crawler action RPG aspect of it, oh, where you go around procedurally generated memories, dungeons, collecting loot, building up your inventory... Uh, and getting uh, special abilities and then you fight a boss and then if you beat the boss you can descend into a lower level of the dream it's like the best dreams ever but i feel
0: like you wouldn't be restful
1: <laughs> they are not restful as i as i take took from it um and each boss is represented by a, a fear or anxiety or uh, mental or emotional block that she has faced in her past um and as you defeat these bosses it affects her in the real world. So every night when she's hit and she loses all her HP, it's really, really cool. The screen starts to shake. Like, it really focuses right in on her. And it sounds seems like everything is just going to explode. And then she just wakes up. It's It feels a lot like what happens when you wake up from a nightmare, which is you just kind of open your eyes and it's peaceful. But you are just in this horrible, violent world. And it's just like, oh, okay. And then she goes off. Oh. Yeah. yeah, she goes off and she makes friends. She she tries to make friends, she tries to make her way in the world, doing real-world activities like writing in her journal or meditating. uh, She can gain permanent upgrades that then start to take effect in her dreams. But you can also build up her character relationships with the various people in this city where she just moved to. So uh, as you build up these relationships, you unlock more and more uh, buffs for your character. So what you do in the real world has permanent impact on the dream world and every it's a roguelike. So every single time you start at the, you start in the same place every single time with randomized loot and have to build up from there. But there is a really nice sense of progression uh, that comes from you building up these relationships in the real world.
2: I do like that the loot is randomized.
1: Yeah, it's it, cool. Idea. It's cool. And you can also, you actually have a choice. You can randomize the loot in the menus and just say, okay, I want this to be random, 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 or you can pick specific things so if you have a, like, for example, the dodge option, uh, the dodge, I guess, item, uh, you can choose your sneakers. So if you want a regular roll dodge, that's fine. If you want like a dash dodge, you can choose that too. And obviously uh, there are lots of things like as you are going through the dream, you collect sand, S-A-N-D, just like the Sandman. And you can use, that's the currency and you can use that in stores, to upgrade your weapons or abilities, or to gain permanent upgrades. Or not permanent upgrades, but upgrades that'll stick with you for the rest of your time uh, in the dream world. I am a big fan of it. It's a lot of fun. The action is... The first couple of levels you really can get through by almost button mashing and just beating the crap out of the enemies, but then eventually you really need to start putting thought into how are you going to attack these people, what secret uh, abilities are you going to use to take them down, and I have not gotten tremendously far in the game yet, but I've got to say, I just am a, I'm really excited to play the full version of the game and I'm super excited to review it, hopefully in a few months.
0: Yeah, it'll be sweet.
1: The music's good. The music is so good. Well, th- we have a music review actually on the site uh, from it. Uh, Adam Lurs adored the soundtrack and he wrote a review off, off the soundtrack. I, I think I linked it in my preview if you're curious. But yeah, the music and it, it's it's very beautiful. it, it. It goes from, obviously, very, very peaceful and relaxing and dreamlike, and then all of a sudden will become very action-packed when you start fighting the enemies. Mm-hmm. And it's really well-structured. Dale North is great. <laughs> the last thing I want to mention about the game is the graphics, because I think they are absolutely beautiful. The dream world is really cool because this is how it's, it's interesting. I think everyone dreams a little differently, but in my dreams, if you're not focusing on something, it literally doesn't exist. So like instead of seeing a fully realized dream world, it's almost like places that are islands. And then as you look into the distance, it just start the world starts to dissolve. And every one of the dream worlds, every dream level is inspired by something in her life. So like the first level is her hometown when she was growing up, which is a very, very small village. And then it's like her first time in the big city. And then it's her with her family camping and it that is, it's just a beautiful game. The most distinctive thing I've noticed is that none of the characters have faces, which first off is a brilliant way to avoid animation time.
2: They look like Castlevania people. Yeah.
1: Uh, they look like the question from DC Comics, uh, where it's just like a flat face. Or I guess if you don't know DC Comics, what would you know? Uh, the villain from Dick Tracy in the 1990s. Does anyone, did anyone ever watch that movie?
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, he had no face or whatever. It was just the like blank? a blank. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what the characters look like. But even with that, the character designs are so well done that you don't have any problem identifying who is who at any point in the game. It's a beautiful looking game. It confronts mental health issues in a very unique and interesting way uh that i appreciate and i think it's going to be something when it comes out i think that this might get some attention and i'm going to give it attention because i really like it so
2: it's like inside out but for dreams
1: yeah i talked to the developers for a bit uh they seem like really nice guys and uh they really have a vision about what they want to do with this game and i think that they're accomplishing it
2: it's wonderful
0: yeah after that we had capcom on june 14th nothing really new we just You know, Monster Hunter Rise getting an update and some more stuff about Monster Hunter stories too, which is looking great and I'm excited for it. And then uh, Great Ace Attorney still happening, so that's great. Uh, But yeah, not much to cover, just things we're all looking forward to.
4: We're not really going to skip over Great Ace Attorney, are we? I mean, I know it was revealed before E3, but it's a huge deal. Yeah. That's been lingering in Japan like... Basically, we were told we were never getting it or no comment. Yeah. I've, I've literally gone up to Capcom people at E3 before and asked about the game, and they got really uncomfortable and could not say anything. They're like, uh, yeah,
1: I don't, I don't know anything about that. I'm sorry.
3: I'm still shocked. I'm shocked that it's coming. I love that it's coming, and I'm just shocked.
1: I am too, and I am extraordinarily delighted that it is coming out for various reasons. One, I love Ace Attorney. It's one of my favorite game series. And two, I reviewed the... First, the fan translation of The Great Ace Attorney, the first one uh, for the site. And uh, I imported the game. I have a DS game on my shelf that is in Japanese that I cannot read. And I play the fan translation. I thought they did a great job. Super excited to see what the official fan translation is like and, and compare the two.
2: <laughs> the official fan translation. <laughs> yeah, the official
1: fan translation, which is sort of what it is. Like, the people who translate the Ace Attorney game are massive fans of these games. They do such an incredible job.
2: It's true, yeah. There was
1: a great article a couple of months ago, I think it was Polygon, yeah. talking about translating the great Ace Attorney. And it was it's a great article. So, yeah, super excited about it. But I'm really excited to find out what friggin' happens, because the first game, in my opinion, doesn't stand by itself. Unlike the other Ace Attorney games, which usually tell a complete story, there might be a few, like, lingering plot threads that go into the future ones, but for the most part, you can start, it tells a complete story within four or five cases. This does not. Everything is a setup for a game that I thought we were never going to get, and I was going crazy. (laughs) And then this got announced, and I'm so excited because I finally get to figure out what happens.
2: A moment of love and silence for the fan translators, though, because they did a great job, all things, you know, without even knowing that this was going to happen, and they took it on, probably thinking that it was never going to happen.
1: They're halfway through uh, Great Ace Attorney 2, as I understand it. Uh, When this got announced, I don't think they're going to go through with it, but they were halfway through it. They've released, I think, three out of the five cases, but... They did a they did a just a fantastic job with the Great Ace Attorney one and I mean there's a good chance that the fan translation might have directly contributed to the fact that we're getting this. I, I can see it.
4: It showed that there was more of a market for it than maybe they realized.
1: I think Ace Attorney has been growing in uh, has been growing in interest in the West in the last few years. Otherwise, why on earth would they ever release this? Right.
2: I think Miles Edgeworth is the ultimate testament to that, and we still have yet to see that. But definitely having Great Ace Attorney is really really great. Have
1: you played Investigations Two stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I played the fan translation, too. It was um, not my favorite in the series, but it was fine.
2: I I don't know. I like them a lot the same. Don't talk to me about this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a favorite. I'm like, that was pretty great. (laughs) This is why I don't review things for the site. You know, I think
3: what blew me away about the Capcom presentation was that I was not expecting Grey Ace Attorney Grunerholtz to have such a, a venue to have so much time mm. dedicated to it. Yeah,
2: that's true. They did a full, like, gameplay video, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I yeah. felt the love.
1: And love is not something that Ace Attorney fans feel oftentimes. Yeah, exactly.
2: I feel that game needs to be seen, too. Like, it's a bit theatric in a way, so it's kind of cool to see, like, a bit of a skit play out.
1: And they went
3: into uh, the two horror, like, big mechanics.
1: Investigations are fun. Yeah, it
3: looks great. I haven't played them. I didn't play the fan translation, but I'm a big Ace Attorney fan, so. But yeah, I was expecting, like, two minutes you know, and we got like twelve. I mean, wow.
0: <laughs> I'm always have two minds with those things. Of like, I want to see them, but I also don't want to get like too spoiled of stuff. So, like, I like like the treehouse events and stuff like that. I just kind of avoid because I want to experience it yeah. for myself. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm, on the one hand, I, I kind of prefer like the two three minute. Just like here it is. here's some shots of the gameplay.
2: I hate replaying the part that I played in a demo too. Yes, so it's like this again.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think I think overall Capcom had a, had a pretty good structure presentation even if there wasn't surprises but like they only had a set amount of games and they had just you know they spent enough time on each one without being too much or too little
1: i appreciated the confidence that they went into that presentation with they were like we're not going to announce anything new and here it is <laughs> and they just they they gave us exactly what they said they were going to and because of that i wasn't let down even slightly i was like okay you 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 said what was on the tin you opened the tin and what was on the tin is in the tin <laughs>
0: It's not sewing
3: supplies. I remember we were kind of watching it and we were like, oh, this is exactly what they said.
1: Okay, then. Good. We, I'm, thank you. We had an agreement. (laughs) Like Mike said, I'm not going to be sad that they focused on anything Ace Attorney because that's just. Awesome, but yeah, it was. There were no real big surprises from that particular presentation, unlike yeah. other presentations where we may have gotten a few more surprises.
2: I was gonna say they told, like, I heard somebody, like, some insider saying to keep your t- expectations in check for Nintendo, and I was just blown <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah,
1: when well, they came out swinging with
0: Advance Wars One Plus Two, with the really great subheading of Reboot Camp. Oh, yeah, I'm so excited for that. Does should fall within our coverage of being a strategy RPG. Does now and. Yeah, I could not be more delighted to have another swing at these again.
4: It's been so... I don't even know. Like, they kept talking about when they covered Metroid, like, hey, it's been this many years, but I don't know how long it's been since the last Advance Wars, but it's been a very long time.
1: The last one was Days of Ruin.
4: Been a while. Yeah, was not expecting that. That was very exciting.
1: Well, this was another case. I feel like Wargroove is another case, very much like Koromon, which is fans of the original series stepped in and was like, well, if you're not going to do it, we will.
2: We'll do it, yeah.
1: And they delivered something that is... Uh, inspired by the original but is its own thing and uh, I'm really happy they're doing it and I'm hoping that this will lead to a resurgence in interest and at some point we'll get like Switch War.
0: I could see that. And it looks great. I think the adaptation is really nice of how they've translated the art style. It's going to be great. And I'm excited for the level editing. Oh, it's going to be fun.
1: I think so too and I like how they've uh, the new graphic style make it look it makes it looks like a board game. Like the end, like it's on like a little yeah. platform and everything. It looks like it's an actual like war board game, which I think is a cool choice.
2: Yeah. That was not expected at all. That was like one of those beautiful surprises. They just, you know, toss in there and you're like, oh my God. No, it was golden.
1: I had open. some
2: people who were like, they were hyping nothing until they saw that. Like there are some people who, again, are just carrying a torch for advanced wars. And I yeah. get it. It's great.
0: All right. Um, then we got a pocket watch, which was, again... The way they buried the lead with, like, the top of that whole presentation, you know, everyone's, like, collective breath being held when they show Ganon beat down. (laughs) And you're like, what are we getting? And then you're like, no, it's probably a Smash reveal. Oh, it was. Uh, Which, my favorite part of that whole thing is the joke that I wanted, and I got the payoff of Kirby flying away from him trying to drop him. I love (laughs) that. (laughs) That's all I wanted. I was like, this joke better be here. And it was. But, uh, yeah, they gave us instead, you know, a Game & Watch.
2: Ugh yeah how do we feel about that
0: <laughs> the game and watch i think it's yeah. cool i think it's great and i want it but i don't because i know i'll never get anything done i'll just be like i right, just got to check the time
1: i think it's cute wow
0: look at those graphics you know and i'll be gone
1: i'm probably wrong about this but is this the first time they've publicly acknowledged the ex- existence of zelda 2 the adventures of link in public since the game's release
4: i mean outside of virtual console and you know it's on the switch online thing but otherwise it's yeah it's always just it's there but it doesn't get much love.
1: I think this is the most airtime that Zelda 2 has gotten in decades. That's true.
2: Decades since it came out really.
1: Yeah, and then there's an adaptation of it in the
0: actual like clock itself too, right? So.
1: My hope that we would get a new 2D Zelda that's inspired by Zelda 2 was not it, unfortunately my my hope fell flat there, but that does not mean I was disappointed. No. Instead you got a watch inspired by Zelda 2.
0: And then we got a bunch of other great things that aren't RPGs but like, you know, we're all shocked by Metroid Dread. Another one that it's like, what? Oh,
1: Every one of us lost our collective God. minds when that was announced. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep.
2: It was beautiful. Yep. It was beautiful. It was so good to have her back. Oh, yeah. It was a great presentation. It was such a grim past few years, too. Like,
3: curb your enthusiasm thing yeah. going into it. The only thing I can imagine besides the Switch Pro is that maybe people were expecting to see more out of Breath of the Wild, too, at this point. But I'm just happy to see some of it. I mean, I know they're working you know, under tough conditions, you know, through 2020 and all that. And um, Breath of the Wild is one of my favorite games. Uh, you know, the new footage looks great. I understand that it wasn't going to be, like, the blowout. Yeah. Um, I was just happy to see it. Like, the whole,
0: you know. They were wise to temper expectations at the top. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Metroid Dread 2. They did the whole, we're not showing Prime, but let's show you something else, you know? <laughs> like, they're just, they're very good. And again, most developers could do well by doing that. Like, Capcom nailed it as well. That like Capcom... Uh, presentation could have been like that awful Square Enix one. Where we're like, well, we don't really have anything, so let's just phone it in. But no, they made it. They owned it. It is what it is. And it's the same with
1: this too, right? It, the whole presentation for me worked. I remember before it was going, I was literally talking to myself, being like, all right, restrain your hype. You know, you can't let the hype. And then Metroid Dread was announced, and I was just like, okay, let my hype out of control now. And I was very happy. <laughs> Uh, Shin Megami
0: Tensei 5 finally, like, really confirmed. We see stuff from it. Steph gives us some amazing art from it.
2: <laughs> Look it looks gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. It
4: looks really, really good.
2: The <laughs> Dem- blue, beautiful blue demigod with the long flowing hair. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes.
3: Yes. It looks fantastic. Yeah,
2: no, that, that looks really good. And the new kind of setup of like uh, kind of walking around this big field will be interesting. I like the kind of one on one interpretation of some of the uh, Persona monsters, too. Well, you know, as yeah. the monsters, right,
1: right. yeah, we're going to be spoiled for choice over the next couple of years for Nintendo, and Breath of the Wild looks. I mean, I have to admit, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited too. I was really hoping that Zelda would be the main character mm. instead of literally throwing her down a pit.
2: Oh my god! The second <laughs> they showed that, I was like, come on, she is no, not, the not the again. link.
1: It it was
0: not the best shot, but maybe we don't know. Maybe there'll be you know two two worlds kind of gameplay or something.
3: I would love that. Yeah. What I'm hoping for is it'll be like Link explores like the Sky worlds and probably the Overworld too or whatever. But at least give Zelda like the the cavern explanation like exploration and maybe like she pushes like the the big parts. Of the ground up so that Link can explore them or
0: something. <laughs> that's why the Sheikah Towers come up. It's Zelda just going yeah, like...
1: under and squatting them up. Uh, Quentin, I think that's a brilliant <laughs> a brilliant uh, observation because not just the caverns, like what if they actually do that? They have the two worlds, they have the sky world and they have the regular Hyrule, and Link is in the Sky World. But they released Zelda in Hyrule, the original Hyrule map, but with new abilities. Like, that would bring new life to that entire map again. Mm -hmm. Because you'd have a new character to explore it with who doesn't have the same abilities as Link did in the first game. And then you have Link in the sky with, you know, exploring a brand new world with an old character. That would be an interesting way to use both of them. Okay, you've given me hope again that Zelda falling down the pit (laughs) will just be Zelda falling down into Hyrule again.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry in advance.
1: You've given me hope again. Why did you give me hope? (laughs) Blink up in the sky with rupees.
0: Yeah, it was was a cool presentation. It was a nice way to end it off, just with a little bit of it. They were very careful about how they were wording it. And yeah, we didn't hit the the bingo of it's going to be this holiday season like we thought, but this also does leave room open for a Switch Pro in 2022, and this being one of its launch titles. Yep,
1: there's room for Switch Pro in 2022. There's room for Switch Pro in 2023. There's room for Switch Pro in 2024. <laughs> there's always room for a Switch Pro rumors, as we have learned since the Switch was originally released. <laughs> uh, for my money, they. I mean, people say Nintendo 1 E3, and I agree, but not necessarily for the reasons of the game announcements. I just feel that Nintendo... They pioneered this form of digital delivery of game announcements. So far
2: ahead on it, yeah. Shocking.
0: They're ahead on something.
1: They are so far ahead of everyone else except maybe Microsoft that their presentations are literally just game, game, game. Some guy comes on screen saying, are we doing Okay. Okay. And then game game game. I love it. That's their that's the structure.
0: What are they going to do without the snap mechanic? You know, once they can't switch anymore.
1: Nintendo should just shut, close shop after they're not allowed to snap anymore. <laughs> the Nintendo Switch, uh,
0: the Nintendo Clap. There we go. No,
1: that's what um, they're going to do. They're going to they're going to, they're just going to be so happy with it. And we joked about this last week, but I'm I'm 100 serious. I would not be surprised if the next console was the Switch U.
0: Oh geez, let's not.
1: <laughs> or the Super Switch. Oh, the
0: Super Switch. I like Super yeah, Switch. Super Switch is right. what Super Nintendo Switch. As well. Uh, as we round out the show, because we are running long, and we thank you all for sticking it out with us. I mean, you probably expected us to go on. It's it's a big show. It's E3. Lots of stuff to talk about. It's E3, E3 season. Um, a lot of people on staff had some thoughts. They obviously aren't here, but we wanted to share at least kind of like the best of shows for some of the folks. You know, Abe Kobolanski uh, is really, uh, really excited for the chaos, but not really. But uh, like many people on staff, is excited for Elden Ring and getting some more on SMT5. Pete Leavitt hopped in with Stalker (laughs) 2. I don't know. We probably won't be be covering it. I'm afraid that um, we're not going to be reviewing
1: that game. I'm sorry.
0: But at least uh, Breath of the Wild 2 is coming, and that maybe might help him kick his Genshin Impact habit, so there's hope for Pete yet. Corey was a fan of uh, the Hunt in the Night, just like Alana brought up as well. Um, And I forgot, but uh, Corey has mentioned the fact that that Hiroki Kakuta is doing the soundtrack on it, so that's going to be pretty... Slick as well, because both of uh, his madness soundtracks are pretty tight.
1: Ooh, here's some juicy gossip. Corey hasn't played Final Fantasy 3 through 6. <laughs> and now he has a great opportunity to do it. Mm. Uh, another big fan favorite that we,
0: again, kind of had to gloss over, but is looking real sharp, is Sacrifier.
1: The style of the game looks very 2D HD. It's it's sharp. I like it. Yeah, it's become a very popular look for a good reason. It really, really works with retro-style uh, RPGs.
0: But they're kind of still doing their own thing with it, too.
1: Yeah, and they say they're very inspired by...
0: Biggerid's uh, story, which I'm down for.
1: Yeah, which is really, really cool. Um, They're introducing a like combination turn-based slash real-time combat system which you know their other games have done the same so uh i'm I'm looking forward to this it looks like a pretty cool game
0: yeah no one's mad about more yuden and uh lana is uh, very much on board as i'm sure most people on staff are a lot of people here are all going to be looking forward to more uh suikoden inspired goodness smtv what oh okay <laughs> yes not smash tv yeah. <laughs> i was like yeah. smash tv no.
1: why is she oh shin megami tensei right? 5 yes <laughs>
0: um another one that alana brought up is one of my favorites from the show that we kind of glossed over as well Death door looks really slick i'm excited for her. it's uh kind of action adventure zelda ishness you're a, a crow uh there's a <laughs> there's an octopus legit shopkeeper puppeting another dead human to try and open shop like it's it looks ridiculous i like the concept uh, I'm excited for that one. That's probably from, aside from the big hits, it's probably one of my best in shows. It would be Death's Door, from what I've seen of it. So that's where, that's where I lie, and Advance Wars definitely got my attention. Mike, so about it, what was your best in show?
4: Well, it's Metroid, unless it has to be an RPG.
0: Uh, what about your your RPG choice? Because, yeah, um, I think Metroid's my definite best in show non-RPG as well. I
4: think it's also Metroid. Uh, no, I... <laughs> Okay, I, I wouldn't say Death's Door is my number one, but I was really surprised. It looks really cute. Yeah, um, it's it, pretty flashy. I want to check it out.
0: I feel like I knew more about Sacrifier probably would have taken it for me.
4: If I knew more about the Pixel Remasters, it would probably be that. That's fair.
2: Mine's going to be Final Fantasy Origins. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think the Pixel Remasters was the my favorite uh, fall flat on its face moment, just of how excited we all got. We were all so excited, and then it was literally just Lucy pulled the football, and we all went in the air. You'll get yep, more yep. eventually.
2: It was basically a Tokyo Mirage Sessions uh, part two.
1: Quentin, what was your best in show?
2: I I'm tempted to say Metroid. Right?
0: Yeah, it's allowed. We've established it's allowed.
3: I, I I think that's actually my second place. Um my number one would be, and this isn't to say that it's the game I'm most hyped about that's coming out, although there's definitely some hype. But I just can't get over how how witty and perfect that Outer Worlds 2 trailer was. Um mm-hmm. it was so on brand, but also kind of ridiculing the whole culture of it in a very, like, cheeky, you know, smirky kind of way. And such a perfect way of saying, look, we really want you to know this is happening. It's going to be a while before you can see it. We're just going to be funny about it. Get hype. I mean, that was just a a masterstroke to me.
1: I was impressed by the balls of taking the piss out of every single trailer in the entire presentation.
4: Right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially the ones that are, like... The way it's describing is it, like those trailers that don't actually show anything. Uh-huh.
1: Um, I was like, "Yeah,
4: ah, that was uh, you're right on." Because it's everyone understood what they were going for. It's very relatable.
0: And Steph, are you sticking with um, Final Fantasy Chaos?
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have to. It was amazing. I've watched that trailer a bunch of times, and I've heard it throughout Twitch. Uh, sorry, th- yeah. while well, Scott's been playing Twitch. Just been having a great time with it. I do
0: hope it turns around.
2: I'm impressed to see where it goes.
0: <laughs> There's hope given what they've revealed, that it's basically Captain N, But uh, um, we'll see what happens.
2: SMT5 is really up there, too. I think that's gonna, that was a great presentation. And Fatal Frame, I was excited about that. Oh,
0: yeah, that was kind of fun to have that back, too. Uh, and lesser-known photography game, uh, Toem. <laughs> not as not as dramatic as Fatal Frame, but it's another one that was on Alana's list, too, and it looks super cute. Uh, at any rate, share with us whatever you have. You can comment on the episode itself in uh, on the website, or you can leave us uh, an email over at podcast.rpgfan.com and uh you know find us on discord uh we also have a couple other great shows that you can go listen to if you don't feel like listening to the latest and greatest with us you can go see, visit Had and eric at phoenix edge they just covered their uh, reactions to e3 things uh or you can go do some retro stuff with retro encounter and listen to some uh playthroughs of older stuff stuff within the last two years that sort of thing and as well um music we got we got more music right mike see i
4: don't want to promise anything yet because we don't actually have a date
0: i mean i did mention the 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 bravely one was probably one of the last ones i've
4: teased the bravely is the second one that'll be coming up uh the next episode of rhythm which i'm hoping for maybe by the end of june if not early july i know it's been a long time um but the next episode of rhythm encounter will be opening and ending themes and it's a really exciting episode
0: i like that that's going to be uh very dramatic uh, I was just listening to the opening theme of the Octopath the other day. which just came on my playlist, and I forgot like how great that was. It's always such an, an easy steal on any reveal. Uh, or not any, any reveal. On any music review, <laughs> an opening thing is almost always one of my chosen tracks, because it's just... They're so good at just setting things up, right? So, oh, yeah. It's going to be a good episode. So, at any rate, uh, the hiatus is definitely not going to be as big as the last Rhythm and Hiatus. Yeah, there will be more, and then the schedule will be getting there. And do not fret, folks. Mike's on it. Uh, otherwise, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, everybody here, thanks for joining me to to jaw about uh, all these crazy reveals for the past couple hours.
1: And I suspect there's going to be more throughout the summer as well, if last year was any indication.
0: But for myself, for Jono, for Mike, for Steph, for Quentin, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And uh, have yourselves a good one. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.